0: Hello and welcome back to the Conflict Skills Podcast. I'm your host, professional mediator, Simon Good. On today's episode of the podcast, I'm going to be talking about the topic of dealing with conflict as an introvert, and I'm going to be using myself as an example. Uh, To be frank, I think I'm probably competing with my wife, but aside from the two of us, I'm pretty confident that we're the current champions of the introvert cup, at least in terms of every single person that I've ever met. (laughs) Uh, I'm a real introvert. I would be very happy just to spend all day every day by myself. I really enjoy being alone. I love, you know, hobbies like music and that kind of thing, which I can do by myself anyway. Um, And when I do want to spend time with people, it's typically one on one or in a very small group for a very limited time <laughs> and when i'm in the mood uh, what tends to happen for introverts is that our energy level waves like everybody else but when we're at our low points just the thought of making small talk with someone is you know it's very exhausting So I suppose that's one aspect of being an introvert is the more draining side of things. And of course, if you're an introvert, then dealing with conflict is something that's really going to be taxing. If you've had a difficult day at work where you've had a number of challenging conversations, by the time that you arrive home, you're probably completely exhausted. Physically, that's simply because your nervous system has been ratcheted up to a 9 out of 10 in some situations where a more extroverted, naturally confident person might have experienced it as a 5 or a 6 out of 10, just as an example. So your body is literally burning more energy. And so, you know, if you feel particularly depleted after a day of dealing with conflict, that could be one of the reasons that's contributing. But the other side is that introverts tend to be less confident and take conflict as being much more stressful. We're probably, I guess, in some ways, wired to experience interpersonal relationship challenges as more threatening. Potentially, we're tuned into that differently to other people or... Maybe we're just a little bit hypervigilant to any potential threats. Maybe it's to do with our belonging within a tribe or stability and security that we need in terms of you know, survival, etc. Who knows? But what's certainly true is that when you're going through conflict and you're an introvert, it is very stressful and you might experience stuff like rumination and intrusive thoughts or anxiety or just hypertension, just feeling like you just can't relax. Your body is just wound up like a spring kind of thing, a coil, which then of course makes it really difficult to be present with your kids or you know, hang out and spend time with the people that you love. So in the podcast today, I'll be talking about some of the different strategies that I've used myself as an introvert. And I've also talked with quite a few different people if i have run training workshops over the years. And they've often suggested that they've found similar types of techniques helpful. So if you're an introvert or if you're supporting people who are introverted around you, I hope that the topics and information that we cover will be helpful for you. Just before we get into that, though, just a big thank you as always for listening. Spotify sends out this nice little annual, like, kind of like 2023 in review type of thing. And I started the podcast earlier this year. And uh, to be frank, at the beginning, I didn't maybe have as much time available as I would have wanted to spend on the podcast but throughout the year I've gradually increased the amount of effort that I'm putting into preparation and production etc and I think also becoming a bit more comfortable I still find it quite challenging speaking into a microphone and not having other people in the room that I can bounce off and read body language and cues and that kind of thing. So I'm sort of practicing and doing my best to hopefully do these podcasts in a way that's engaging. And I suppose I just wanted to say thank you so much for listening. I was very surprised at the number of downloads, I guess, that the podcast is getting now. It's growing in a really nice trajectory. And particularly Spotify gives you information about like how many listeners – uh, sort of your podcast is in the top 10 or the top 5 or the number 1 and I was really pleasantly surprised to see that there was quite a number of people where it was either the number 1 podcast or in the top 5 or the top 10 uh, so yeah I just really appreciate you listening and if you've got a question or feedback about the podcast you can send me an email it's uh, podcast at so that email address is s i uh, the website address is S-I-M-O-N-G-W-D-E.com. So the first tip that I often suggest when I'm coaching introverts who are dealing with conflict, it's often in a workplace situation in my coaching sessions, is the importance of preparation. It's crucial if you are well prepared for a difficult conversation and you've thought about the phrases to use and the best way to set it up and the structure, etc. Well, it more or less means that you can deal with any issue that you need to. With adequate preparation, most discussion is possible. doesn't necessarily mean that it's easy, but what it does do is open the door for a potential future where this situation starts to improve. And when I'm talking about preparation, it's to do with the specific issue, like how should you name it? What's a mutual way of phrasing things, for example? Are there particular hot-button words or phrases that upset the other person that you should avoid? Is there particular information that you'd like to see from them? Are there particular boundaries and expectations that you think it's important to outline? Just really going through and and thinking about that or writing it down or talking to somebody and getting a second opinion, that's going to make such a difference when you actually walk in the door and begin speaking with the other person versus trying to come up with everything off the top of your head. The other aspect to the preparation is just managing your own nervous system. It's making sure that you've got some food in your stomach and that you've hopefully had enough sleep. Giving yourself a few minutes before you walk in the door and start writing the email and then going and for a walk around the building at lunch and then coming back and your head's probably in a different space before you press send. Um, So just doing all of that strategically, it's like taking responsibility for your own state, (laughs) your own emotions, your own mood, your own affect, etc. Physically, it's our nervous system, but it doesn't really matter which layer or lens you use to understand it. It's like saying, I'm going to need particular things to stay calm this morning. I know I've got some challenging interactions ahead of me, and I don't want to walk in the door already worked up. Now, there are two general get out of jail free tools, I guess, that uh, you can use if you're an introvert. One is postponing a conversation. And the second is it's like a summary and inviting responsibility or inviting next steps. So I'll explain what both of those look like. These are just potential options, I guess. As always, you might use different phrasing to me, but the approach would be similar. So let's say somebody comes up to you and they're confronting you about something or they've dumped bad news on you that you weren't expecting. Just simply saying, look, thanks for letting me know. I'd like to give it some thought. Would it be okay if I come back to you or maybe we can pick up where we've left off tomorrow morning once I've had a chance to process this additional news that you've just shared with me? Or look, actually, I wasn't aware that this request would be an issue for you. Um, Of course, I can understand where you're coming from and some of those challenges that you've outlined there. If it's all right, would you let me give it some thought and maybe you could do the same and we could circle back to it tomorrow morning and put our heads together and maybe we can come up with some options that might work moving forward. So it's more or less just saying this is an important issue, but could we talk about it later? And as long as the other person feels like they've had a chance to have their say and that you've validated it and acknowledged it and taken it seriously, in my experience, that's often something that people can accept. When they get upset, it might be a cue to you that maybe they haven't felt like they've had a chance to express themselves or they haven't got the sense there that you understand where they're coming from. The other kind of of get-out-of-jail-free, get-out-of-jail-temporarily card, I guess, that often works in a conflict when you're an introvert is a summary And I really like long summaries that include both sides' perspectives. So you could say something like, okay, so you've come asking me to do this and you've outlined some of the reasons why that's important from your perspective. Uh, In turn, I've shared some of the challenges for me if I were to agree to that and sort of indicated that right now that's not something that I can agree to. So what do you think might work moving forward? It's just sort of summarizing in this neutral way both sides. So you've asked for this and given some reasons. I've said no and given you some of my reasons. So right now we're at different positions here. And as much as possible, we should imply and, I guess, communicate the fact that this is normal. It makes sense. We've got different priorities, different areas of focus, different backgrounds, different experiences, different perspectives, whatever. It's just like this is something that's naturally going to come up in any relationship and a work relationship's no different. So you're wanting this for this reason, I've expressed this no for this reason. And then we can decide how to respond from there. In some situations you might want to be assertive, in others more accommodating. In a previous episode I've talked about the five different conflict modes or conflict styles that you might use. And so as an introvert in particular – There are particular techniques that can be helpful depending on which of those approaches that you decide to employ. So in this next section, I'll go through and kind of outline those five options and just some ideas around utilising that approach as an introvert. So the five different conflict modes that we have are avoid and accommodate. They're the less assertive, I guess, the approach that you might choose when it's really not such a big deal to you. You know, you've know, you asked someone to do something and they've said they're too busy. Accommodating is just basically fixing it for them or doing it for them and dropping it. It's just not worth it. You don't need to get into a massive back and forth and add additional drama to a day that's already particularly stressful, so you just let it go. Or avoiding would be just deciding not to even ask the person to do it in the first place. You just do it yourself. And in both of these situations, as an introvert, there's a number of different risks that are present. One is that it might create an expectation like a dependency almost that the other person feels like they can rely on you for covering for them or they feel like they can walk all over the top of you when you give them a request, they learn that they can say no. So if you do decide to take either the avoid or the accommodating approach, one thing that can be helpful is to set a limit either yourself in your head, like I'll do it this time around, but next time I'll try and ask them earlier so that I can be more assertive and you know stick to my guns more confidently or something like that. So you can think about that and decide it for yourself or maybe you can even out communicate that to them. Yes, I'm happy to do this for you this time around, but I just want to be clear that next time this will be your responsibility. Uh, let me know if there's any issues with this on your end. So it's just saying, look, I'm prepared to do it this time, but not next time. The other thing that often comes up, if you've decided to avoid conflict or you've been accommodating, particularly if you're an introvert, it's it's kind of like beating yourself up about the decision. I've noticed that a lot of people walk around with very low opinions of themselves when they're an introvert. And when they avoid conflict, they add guilt on top of, what was already, a, you know, to some extent a traumatic probably experience. There's a reason why you've avoided the conflict. And so you're probably worried about that blowing up in your face and making additional problems. So there's the practical worry. But then a lot of people add on an additional self-guilt layer to, I should have done something differently. This is just like me. Oh, here we go again, you know, putting your head in the sand or something like that. Or even worse is when you actually don't even acknowledge that this is what you're feeling And so you just go and open the fridge and have a few beers or look at online shopping to distract yourself or whatever else it might be. Of course, these are just ways of sort of remedying our um, depleted nervous system and adding a bit bit of dopamine, which helps us to feel better. But of course, these are not going to be very healthy habits to develop longer term. So if you do decide to avoid conflict, two options that you can use is to set a date to review the decision So although I'm not raising it this time, I maybe will just check in again. I'll put a diary um, calendar item in my calendar for next week just to confirm that this is still the case, that it's still a good idea to just let it go versus something might have changed in the meantime. And so now it is probably a situation where I should do something about this. The other thing that you might want to do is even if you're avoiding, to prepare to engage. So to outline dot points, for example, or do some research or think about the best way to bring something up, what kind of relationship you want with the other person, which of their behaviors are you particularly focused on influencing them to change. So prepare to engage with them, even if your intention is still to avoid. And what this means is that you're not going to get caught off guard. Sometimes people decide to avoid the conflict. And so they just literally do put their head in the sand and don't do anything about it, don't think about it, don't prepare, don't invest any effort. And what that means is that the other person might decide to engage them around the same issue and then they could unfortunately get caught again trying to come up with everything off the top of your head. But the other thing that that does is that it helps us to proactively deal with the issue. It's like there's something for us to do. There's a task ahead of us. One of the reasons why avoiding feels so uncomfortable is that we're sitting there just twiddling our thumbs, which, of course, if you're in the face of a threat, is something that historically hasn't been a very good idea. So as humans, we've evolved to think that sitting still and doing nothing in the face of a threatening situation is probably not a genius move. So our nervous system is trying to agitate us into action. If you decide to take a more assertive competing approach, I think those are the situations where preparation are particularly important. How are you going to outline the reasons why? A simple general reason like it's really outside of the scope of the policy or uh, in this case, given the extra time required to work with you on that paper or whatever it is, in this case, unfortunately, I'll need to decline. But I appreciate the kind invitation and please consider us for other projects in the future. It's kind of saying, look, what is going to be the best way to hurt their feelings? (laughs) And what I'm probably doing in many situations where I decide to compete is that I'm preparing for disappointing someone. I'm almost deciding in some situations who to disappoint and how. As an introvert, this is going to feel really uncomfortable, so there will be a period of time where you'll simply need to allow the other person to be upset with you. Let them be angry. Let them be frustrated. Let them be let down, let them try to guilt trip you, let them try to have a tantrum and the toys go out of the cots and things can get a little bit hysterical. This might all be a part of you more firmly establishing boundaries, particularly if it's something that's new to you and that you haven't done before. And so preparing for this to happen prevents us from overcorrecting in the other direction. If we worry that the other person's upset with us, then we might notice the first signs of that and immediately slip back into accommodating. And then generally speaking, if you decide to take that competing approach, one of the things that I often suggest is just stick to your guns. If you've already outlined the reasons why something needs to happen or you're not able to do what the other person's asking you to do, then keep the reasons firm and consistent. Uh, Look, there there are other things that I had planned for that weekend. I'm sorry, I can't make it. Oh, what are you going to do? Oh, look, I don't want to go into the details, but I do already have a number of obligations and unfortunately I'm not going to be able to fit this in. If the following weekend works for you, then I'd be happy to do it then. And so if we've already outlined a reason, like I have other plans, then just keeping that reason general and consistent, the challenge is that I've already got those plans that I've made. If we don't add more detail and we don't inadvertently add other excuses and other reasons why, it kind of gives the other person less ammunition to argue against. Whereas if we say, well, you know, I have other plans and also it's about the money and I'm particularly tired and I don't want to stretch myself because I might get sick, then the other person can argue against all three of those different factors. I'll cover the money for you. I'll come on, have some vitamin C. What's the big deal? Um, As well as the uh, challenge of arguing about whether or not your time excuse is sufficient. So just keeping the reasons general and consistent tends to help you to stand your ground. But minimizes the chances of coming across as aggressive or harsh, particularly if you can still communicate in that very calm and composed type of way, even if ultimately you're being very firm. I think though, however, using the other two strategies is often the best approach when you're an introvert, and those are compromise or collaborate. So compromise is kind of where we meet in the middle We give in a little bit of something that's important to us and then also ask for something from the other person in return. And if you're a natural accommodator, this can be a pretty significant step towards being more assertive, particularly for introverts. If you're used to always just saying yes, or when you ask someone for something and they complain and push back against you, you just decide to do it yourself, for example. If you can at least shift towards compromising, then that can be a a real mark of achievement. I'm happy to do it this time around, but I just want to be clear that anything for the rest of the day, somebody else will need to manage. Or, yes, I'm happy to help you clean up that section of the building. If I can get started here, would you be able to cover those two rooms? And then maybe we can meet in the middle and see how we're going. It's like nobody's getting 100% of what's important to them, but everybody's getting something. And so in terms of the language that we use there, often it's better to avoid... Saying things like, are you happy with that? Does that sound good to you? You know, I hope that that seems fair. I hope you can see where I'm coming from. I mean, if all we're really asking for is the other person to understand our perspective and they're in a very escalated state, we're likely to be disappointed. They have a limited capacity to get where we're coming from, literally. So maybe instead of hoping that the other person understands your intentions and your motivations, The more important factor is to just get clear about the behavior. If I clean these rooms, can you agree to clean those? So for that reason, I often use language that's a lot more like, is that something you can agree to? Is that workable on your end? Is that something that you can live with? As opposed to saying, are you happy with that? And for us, as we're approaching the compromise, we should also keep our own expectations realistic. We're not going to be overjoyed and happy we still might feel a little bit of resentment building up while we're helping clean up somebody else's mess. But we should remind ourselves that our goal in the longer term is a stable relationship with this person, give and take, gradually working towards being more assertive, and this is a step in that direction. And so if we've made some progress, we should celebrate that versus beating ourselves up about the fact that we probably should have gone in harder. The other approach though that often works well is to collaborate. This is where we expand the discussion, expand the pie. Look, I'm happy to talk to you about cleaning, but before we get into that, could we talk about the hourly rate? Because that's something that I've been meaning to discuss with you for some time now. It's kind of like saying, sure, I'm happy to pick up these extra responsibilities, but how about we talk about salary at the same time? Or yes, I'm happy to talk about helping you out with this. Could we talk about Next Friday off, though, because my son's got an event at his school that I was hoping to attend. It's kind of like still being accommodating, which is probably a natural impulse if you're an introvert, but then finding a way to get something else that's important to you. So in that way, we can literally create this win-win. We can give the other person literally what they're asking for, but we get something that's important to us as well in return. And so if you want to use this approach, one of the phrases that often works well is, If you, then I, if you can do this for me, then this is what I can do for you. Or in other words, you could say something like, look, what I can do for you is this. In order for me to do that, I need you to do this. And it's this way of kind of creating what's called a mutual obligation contract. If I'm able to do this for you, then can you give me some assurance that you're able to do this? I find it much more helpful in almost all situations to focus more on the behavior rather than the mindset or thinking or feelings so i don't usually find it helpful to say something like look i'm happy to chip in and do this extra bit of work but could you then give me the benefit of the doubt if something goes wrong it's like we're asking for them to think something can you then try and see where i'm coming from can you then you know think about how your actions are contributing to this situation as well i would probably more focus on the behaviors when this kind of things happens with me could you shoot me an email and schedule a meeting rather than coming into my office and interrupting me when i'm in the middle of something it's just a way of i suppose clarifying those expectations and getting on the same page which means that trust can be built and accountability is likely whereas if i'm saying something like i want you to feel this you know can you at least try and cheer up around the place and stop moping around well, it's very unlikely actually that they have a lot of control over that. And even if they do have control, they probably feel like they don't. And so if you're pressuring someone to be responsible for something that's outside of their control, well, the natural outcome is going to be defensiveness. And so for that reason, I find that if you then I approach to be particularly helpful, if you decide to use that collaborating approach for resolving conflict. The other essential key here is asking the right questions. We need to explore options and explore interests. What else is important for you? Sure, I'm happy to talk about that extra work, though. I just wondered if maybe we could also discuss the payments that would be made. I don't know how much option you have in terms of, you know, moving the milestones that we've discussed around or maybe looking at paying up front or maybe even increasing the amount altogether. I'm not sure there might be some limitations that you're facing there, but... Where there's some flexibility, I'd be keen to explore some of those options if that's something that is okay with you. So it's kind of saying, look, I know that there will be some things that you can agree to and others that you can't, but could we discuss this? So that's the first step is saying, could we at least consider these other options? I'm happy to talk about helping here, but could we also talk about next Friday because I was actually hoping to come and ask ask if I could have that day off if that happened to work within the team. Uh, so it's almost asking for permission to broach the discussion. And then as we move in, we want to shift the conversation to be more and more open as we go, which means we typically would need to ask open-ended questions. What do you think might work there? When you've dealt with these kind of situations before, what did you find helpful back then? When you say you'd like me to cover this, when did you have that? Like what kind of time frame did you have in mind Where there are other factors that are important to you at the moment? How does this project sit in terms of the other work that you've got coming down the pipeline? It's these kind of very open-ended questions that might invite the other person to consider expanding the discussion. If you're a contractor and you're dealing with a builder, for example, and you're negotiating the rates, a question like how does this fit in terms of other work that's coming down the pipeline? Or sure, I'm happy to um, talk about rates for this job. Uh, would you prefer just to think about this one alone or I'm wondering if maybe it would be better for both of us if we could think about a, a, a few jobs at once and in that case I'd be able to give you a discount because I've got more confidence that there's work coming in. So it's just generally saying, is this something that you're open to discuss and if so, what do you think would work? So thinking strategically about those five options, the accommodating, avoiding, compromising, competing and collaborating. And then once you've decided on the particular path, just really being prepared and thinking about which of those tools that I've mentioned or the other options that you've got in terms of dealing with the issue are going to work, who should be in the room, what's the best way to set up the conversation and particularly as an introvert, what would help you to feel like you're standing on solid ground so that you can be more firm, you can walk in feeling more confident, you can be less affected when the other person starts to get upset and lose it And ultimately, you can get to a better outcome in the conversation. Thank you so much for listening as always. um, Please subscribe and press like and give us a positive review if this has been helpful for you. And otherwise, I hope to see you in a future episode of the Conflict Skills Podcast. And all the best for navigating the conflict situations that you're dealing with at at work, in your personal life and in other relationships that you have. Bye for now.